Okay, good morning, everyone. Don't be nervous, see? Eh? That's why I like these things. You can hide behind them. Um, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. It's great hearing the uh, young ones saying their memory verses. It's great to uh, hide the Word of God in your heart. That's what David would tell us, right? He said... Uh, I hid the word of God in my heart so I might not sin against you. And often this is what it is. And even as we're going to go through this psalm this morning, we're going to see that um, the peace of God, the assurance of God, everything from God comes from the word of God. And when we're in the word of God, he will minister to our hearts. Now David, as he writes this, we're told in, I think it's verse 25, that he's an old man at this point. So he's been able to reflect on his life. He's been able to look at these things. And um, what I've got here, Daniel was asking me this, what's my title? You see, he's doing this course and you have to have a title. So I've been thinking, what am I going to give him for a title here? But as I was thinking this, I thought, well, what's David conveying here? And, And really what he's trying to show, he's declaring God's goodness and to remind us that He will never, ever forsake us. That He loves us. And I'm specifically speaking to those who have been blood-bought. That means you've put your trust in the Lord Jesus. You've asked Him to save you. And um, what David sets forth here in the first seven verses is we're going to look at really seven steps to the process of what we call sanctification. I remember when I first heard that, I thought, whoa, that's out of my league, that word. I don't know what that's talking about. Um, But let me just give some clarification between maybe sanctification and justification. Um, Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And the idea there is we've been declared righteous before God. Why? Not because of what we've done, but obviously because of something He's done on our behalf. Now the idea of sanctification is really being set apart to Him or being conformed, as He said, He says we've been predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. His desire is to make you like the Lord Jesus. One day you're going to be just like Him. You know that, eh? It's a great thought. So let's look at these uh, seven steps really to true contentment in the Christian life. Okay, Um, To be really filled with the Spirit of God. Now he starts the psalm out, which is kind of interesting. He says, fret not. Or in other words, don't worry. You ever have that when your kids say to you, Dad, don't worry. Well, what are you going to do? What? Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean, don't worry? The very first thing I want to do is worry. You know, like... Uh, what did you do? You smashed the car? What, what happened? You know. And here he starts off with fret not. And actually, in the first eight verses, he says the same thing three times. He talks about fretting. Don't worry. Relax. And I think often that's the very last thing we want to do. And, you know, when I was thinking about this as I was doing it, I was kind of getting a little tense, thinking, oh, man, i got to speak, and i got to speak. And I was reminded of a friend of mine and uh, he had forgotten that he was going to preach on Sunday, and I think it was like late on Saturday. And the Lord, you know, somehow he looked at his notes and he goes, "Wait a minute, that was the following. No, it's not. It's actually tomorrow." 
And he's just in a panic. He's all full of fear and anxiety. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to speak on? Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you know what the Lord said? Why don't you speak on fear? You're an expert on that. <laughs> you know, but as David goes through here, he tells us uh, not to fret. He talks about the unjust or workers of iniquity, and he talks about the Christian. And sometimes you look and you know maybe your neighbors and you look... They got a nice car, they got a nice place, they seem to have everything. And you know the guy's wicked, you know he does terrible things in business practices and so on. And you're wondering, it just doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right. Well, as you go through this psalm, what David does is he shows us their latter end. He reminds us again and again and again throughout the psalm what's their goal. And he kind of tells you what your goal is. That if you're here and you're a Christian, you're going to live forever with Him. I mean, it's great when you think about it. And so as we go through here, you see in verse 2, He answers that question, right? Um, maybe we'll read first eight verses here because we're going to concentrate quite a bit on that. So we'll look at that and we'll just read it together. He says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquities. For they shall be cut, soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Okay. Now, so he starts off with fret not, and then let's look at verse 3. He says, trust in the Lord. Now, just going back here, sometimes, like I say, in your life, you know, this idea of fret not, because you see them seemingly getting ahead and doing everything right. I remember when I was first saved in 1990, I think it was, and then the fall we went, uh, we decided that it would be good to go on a mission trip. So we went down to Mexico, and I met uh, Tom Peaslin down there. And I remember with Tom as we, uh, he actually took a bus 500 miles to meet me in El Paso to take us down there. And uh, which I thought was pretty incredible. But as we started to go, we went through the border. He said, now, he says, we're going to come up to another border. It's about 20 miles in. Um, and this is where, you know, if you have a vehicle, you can travel within that range. But if you go in past that, you have to have special papers for your vehicle and so on. But one of the things they give you there is they give you this thing and they say, go ahead and push the button. And when you push the button, you either get a red light or a green light. Usually you get a green light, which means you can go, right? Green, go. But if you get a red light, it means you have to go over there. And I said, oh, He's, he said, because well, he was explaining to me what's going to happen there. He says, well, if we get a red light, we've got to pull over there. And I said, well, yeah, okay, then what? He says, well, actually what they'll do, they're looking for a bribe, he said. And I said, oh. And he said, so we'll get pulled over there and they'll start searching the car, but they're looking for a bribe. And then he looked at me and he waited for a second. He says, but I won't pay a bribe. <laughs> I said, oh, what does that mean? He means they'll probably strip search the whole car. And he says, and we might go to jail. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> Looking really good, you know. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, so I was thinking a little bit nervous. And he goes, well, yeah, okay, that's okay. And so we went through, and I thought, oh, praise the Lord. We got through it. We got the green light. You know, I was like, oof. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, as we drive along here, he says, sometimes, he says, it'll be, you know, a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit, and then there'll be a 10-mile-an-hour zone. There's no warning. There's no nothing. But the police will be right there at the 10-mile-an-hour zone. And he says, he's just looking for a bribe. And then I said, oh. He says, but I won't pay a bribe. <laughs> oh, yeah, I heard that, you know. I said, well, then what will happen? He says, well, then we most likely will go to jail. Oh, <laughs> that's really good stuff. Good to know. You know, and I was thinking about this, but uh, it was interesting because a little while later we were in Torreon. That's where he was. And one of the brothers had given him some money, and, and I'd overheard him talking about that. And he was kind of arguing with Tom a little bit, this one brother. And I said, well, what was that about? And he said, well, he said they had given me some money, but they wanted me not to declare any of this money, okay, that, that not to pay it on the taxes. He said, because the government here is corrupt, and they'll take 80% of your taxes. So, you know, there was no point in doing that. Everybody knows the system there, and so they all basically don't do what they're told to do. And, of course, Tom says, well, no, i got to, I got to do what, I'm, what God would want me to do here. And so he does the right thing. Now, you know, it looked like he's getting ripped off. Everybody would think he's getting ripped off, but, you know, he never suffered anything. He never lacked anything. And he was able to have a standard that was so much higher than everybody else around there. You know, other people, they did the same kind of thing. When they got pulled over by the guard, they did what everybody else did. Okay, here you go, and I'm out of here. But Tom said, you know, it's not right. I'm not going to do that. And, you know, what standard do we set for ourselves? All right, now let's look at um, trust. It says, trust in the Lord. The first part of this, put your trust. It's better, I've got here, it's better to trust in the Lord than to have confidence in man. Sometimes that's what people do. They put more confidence in man. They're all worried they got this job, not realizing God has given you the job. God could take away the job. They think they have all this security, all this stuff around them, and all of a sudden, sorry, you know, here's the, you're laid off or you're fired or whatever the case is. It comes crashing down. Put your confidence in God. He's well able to take care of you. Now, you think of this, and I think back of Scripture. And, um, you know, a couple of stories came to mind of people that had to really trust God and how they did. I'm thinking of the story of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Do you know those guys? They were good friends with Belshazzar. Remember that guy? You go, well, who, who are you talking about? Well, I mean, Belshazzar is Daniel. And you know those other guys as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But those are the real names that I just told you. Now, you remember the story that they had? It's found in Daniel chapter 3. Remember, they weren't going to bow down to this golden image no matter what because God said, don't do it. And he says, you know what? We'd rather obey God than man. But you don't realize you're gonna, you may lose your life over this. Right? You know, I'd rather obey God than man. And we know from the story, the account, it's found in Daniel 3, I think, verse 17 and 18, that when they finally come before the king, and they say, listen, king. I'm giving you the Tim Hood version, okay? They said, listen, dude, we're not going to do whatever you want us to do. We're not bowing down to that. We don't care. Our God's well able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we'll never bow down. You see, that's the thought here. 
They knew they wanted to stick with God, even if it meant their own life. They were willing to trust God. And then the other story I was thinking about is the story of uh, Hezekiah. This is found in, um, you can turn there if you'd like, back in um, um, 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter, well, I pick up the story from 18, I guess. Now, here's this king of Assyria. I want you to just think of what it would be like to trust, to trust God. Back in 2 Kings uh, 18, Hezekiah, you know, he's so full of fear, he gives this king of Assyria all the silver, all the gold, but it's not enough. It's never enough, is it? And so eventually, though, he he does what he should do. And I'm picking this story up, I guess, in um, chapter... Well, the end part of chapter 18, because he instructs his people, look, when this... Um, Rabshakeh, this uh, representative of the king, comes. You guys don't say a word. He's going to speak to you harshly. He's going to tell you what's going to happen. Don't say anything. Don't respond to him. And it's interesting that they all listen to him. We read in verse 36, it says, The people held their peace and answered him not a word. And then you go to chapter 19. Now, once this guy starts to speak, I mean, Hezekiah, what's he do? He does the right thing. He gets before God. And he asked God, he, he asked God to intercede on his behalf. He says he rent his clothes and covered himself and he went into the house of the Lord. And he was, at, God, help me in this situation. And uh, verse 4 it tells us, he says, um, Wherefore, lift up the prayer of the remnant that is left. And we don't have time really to go through this, but it is a great story. And as he goes in and he, he begs before God, God, you've got to help, you've got to help, you've got to help. And basically the answer comes back for God, and really it's this, like, don't worry, i got your back. He doesn't say that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this. And you know, God sends an angel in there and wipes out hundred and I think it's 60,000 of the opposition. He's well able. You just need to trust Him. Now, here you're maybe saying, well... Those are Old Testament stories. I mean, it's so far removed from me, you know. How can I trust God? How can I look at Him in my life, you know? Well, you remember the Apostle Paul, what did he say? That God is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above that we may ask or think. You know, I don't know, maybe you've experienced this. You know, I'm telling, talking to someone and, they, you know, and they, they just really don't believe the Bible. They don't believe God. I, just recently I was in Arizona it was interesting. This guy is telling me he's a Christian, and and uh, he doesn't really go to church very much. And well, you can't really believe the Bible. He told me. I said, "Oh, that's a strange Christian to me." But as we talked a little bit, he said, "I said, well, do you believe that God created the heaven and the earth?" He goes, "Yeah, I think I believe that one." Okay, well, that's okay, you know. But then we went on. He said, "You know, but things like..." And then he went into a diff- couple of different events. The Garden of Eden. Come on. I said, oh. He says, do you believe that? I said, absolutely. And he thought, man, this guy is weird. And then, you know, and then we talked a little bit about Jonah. He goes, well, come on. I mean, come on, Tim. He said, you know, how could a man get swallowed by a fish and then get swallowed up or thrown up and so on? And I said, well, there, you know, there's people that have talked about that. But you know what? I said, the thing that surprises me about that story, and he said, what's that? I said, I'm surprised God didn't use a guppy to swallow him. And he looked at me, he goes, what do you mean? I said, you know, God can do anything. I mean, how big is God? 
If he created the heaven and the earth, I, I don't know why it took him seven days. I, I would have thought he'd do it in seven seconds. You know, that's God. You know, and this guy just didn't have any idea. But perhaps you've come across that where people don't understand. Now, here's some verses to think of when we think of these ideas and how can I trust him? Well, you think of John 3.16, for God so loved, what? You, that he gave his only begotten son. That if you, you got to make it personal, don't you? I mean, it's out there if it's just the world, but if it's you, it really means something. That if you just believe in him, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what he gives you. I mean, maybe that's not enough for you. What about Romans 5.8? I mean, you talk to someone, you say, well, what would it take? Well, here we're told in Romans 5.8 that God demonstrated His love for you. It says, while you were yet a sinner, the idea there is you hate God's guts. You would take Him out. You don't want anything to do with Him. And he says, while you're in that state, it says He died for you. Well, that should warm your heart a little bit, I hope. Well, there's other ones. Turn with me to John chapter 17. John 17. I'll give you a minute to get there. I remember hearing this the first time I heard this. just totally um, warmed my heart to think of the love of God. You know, we call this, this is the Lord's real prayer, isn't it? John 17. But you know, as you read through it, you get to verse 23, and it's always struck me there. He says this, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect, or the idea here is complete in one, and that the world may know that you sent me. Now listen to this part. This is the, this is the thrust of this and have loved them, that's those who trust Him, as you have loved Me. Do you get that? I mean, come on. I remember the first time I read that, I go, man, there's a typo error there. (laughs) God the Father loves the Son as He loves Me? The same? Can't be right, can it? That's how much He loves you. He loves you as much as His Son. Do you deserve that? Absolutely not. The best of the best of the best person doesn't deserve any of that. But that's how much He loves us. Look how it goes on. He goes, Father, I will that they also, whom You have given Me, be with Me where I am, that they may behold My glory, which You have given Me, for You love Me from the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known You, but I have known You. And these have known that You have sent Me. And listen to this, and I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, that the love wherewith you've loved me may be in them, and I in them. Uh, we heard a brother just recently, Jurgen Schultz, and he says, you know, it's, it's like a dance, a love dance, and you're invited in the middle of it. <laughs> Isn't that great how much God loves you? I mean, you know, we could just stop there and think on those things. Well, can't you trust him then? I'm going to put it to you. Don't you think you could trust him? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the rent this week. I don't know what's going to happen. 
can't you just give it over to Him? I mean, whatever the situation is. Trust in Him. All right, well, here's one more. 1 John 3. You don't have to go there. But I mean, I often, when I, when I you know, am, am in that state of not trusting God, will reflect on some of these Scriptures to realize how good God is to me. Okay? And this one in particular, I always get caught up with this. You know, remember John, he had a closeness to the Lord. I mean, he describes it, I'm the one that the Lord really loves. You know, he loves you, but he really loves me, you know. And he says he was on the bosom of the Lord. And I think he's kind of caught up in the moment, you know, as he's, as he's teaching there in chapter 2, at the end of chapter 2. He says this, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of him. And then to me, it's almost like he stands back and he goes, Behold, what manner of love? What manner of love the Father has bestowed? That, that we? Tim Hood should be called a son of God? I mean, oh, I just, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. He goes on, he says, Below, Beloved, now uh, are we the sons of God? It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we'll be like Him. It gets better. You'll be like Him. He goes on, he says, For we shall see Him. When brother made mention, we're going to see a smile on the Lord. You're going to see that smile. You're going to look at the hands that were pierced for you. For you. I think you'll be bawling and jumping up and down all at the same time, <laughs> thinking of how good he is. I mean, I know I'll, I will be. And he goes on from that. He says this, Every man that has this hope, you have this hope, he says, you purify your, yourself just as he's pure. I mean, if that doesn't warm your heart or put a smile on your lips, I would say you you need to keep meditating on it keep thinking of what god is and what he's done well that's trust reflect on the promise realize that he loves us well, let's go back to psalm 37 again psalm 37 we'll look at um, the fourth item really here because with this, he tells us to do good. The third thing, we didn't really look at that. Well, when you start reflecting, it doesn't help but make you do good. You'll want to do good. You'll want to serve Him. You'll want to follow Him. And if we just remember that God loves us, that God will take care of us, and when we go through a trial, we go through things that happen, that He sees it. He's with us. You remember, what does it tell us in... Uh, Matthew 10.30. You remember in Matthew where he says, you know, like there's two sparrows. He says that you can buy two sparrows for whatever, a farling, I can't remember the actual amount, but like a piddly amount of money. Like, like the idea here is a penny. And he says, not one of them dies where I don't go to the funeral of that bird. He says he's going to the funeral of the bird. He says, but you, don't, don't you think I love you more than that? He, he, and he goes on, he says this, he says, every hair on your head, right? He knows how many hairs are on your head. I'm missing a few, you know. 
But he says they're not, not only does he know how many there are, but he says they're actually numbered. You know, there's a difference between that, you know. You talk to a printer and you tell him you want page number so-and-so, he'll tell you the difference between numbering and knowing how many. But this is how much God tells him how much he loves us. And, you know, we read in the, in the previous meeting this morning from Hebrews, a lovely portion, that tells us He loves it when we come and say thank you to Him. He says, oh, that's great. <laughs> I find it unbelievable that we can do anything that would please the heart of the Lord. Well, let's look at the fourth one here. Now he goes on to say, delight yourself in the Lord. There's a difference here between loving something and delighting in it. You know, you see that with people. There's people, okay, let's pick on some people here. <laughs> there's people that like football, and there's people that delight themselves in football, right? Meaning this, you talk to them, and it's football this, and football that, and football the other, and did you see that, and did you see that? That's all they ever, ever talk about. They're delighting themselves in that thing. Well, here he tells us to delight ourselves in Him. Do you delight yourself in the Lord? I mean, if you reflect on those verses, I think it'll bring that out in you. You can't help but say, oh man, thanks. Thanks, you know? And here he says, delight yourself in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I remember going to camp years ago and this would be the question that a lot of young people would come up with. I, I, it didn't happen to me once. It probably happened to me a dozen times. They would ask different questions. Well, um, can I do this and still be a Christian, really, is what they're saying. Uh, is it okay if I go here? And what they were doing is they were kind of making this invisible line here. You know, the world or sinful or pleasurable things. They wanted to know, like, how close can I go? Can I have my feet on the edge? Can I rest there like that? Is that Okay. And so I would say this to him. I said, well, you know, the line's here. I said, what you want to do is actually you want to go as far that way as you can. They didn't really like that too much. And I said, well, listen, listen, I'll give you something you can do. All right? They said, okay, what's that? I said, all you have to do is this. I said, you love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And I said, then do whatever you want. Do you get that? You see, if you love God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all everything, what are you going to do? Everything you do will please Him, won't it? Because you're delighting yourself in Him. And what's it say? He will give you the desires of your heart. Because it will be focused, it will be centered on Him in our lives. And as a Christian, if you want to have peace of God, if you want to have the enjoyment of God, if you want to be able to look at a situation and kind of laugh in your own heart as that guy who has the shirt on that says, he who has the most toys wins. And you say he's well on his way. He's got a Mercedes. He's got this and he's got that. And you got nothing but maybe an old Volkswagen or something. But you go, you know what? I'm winning! Because I'm delighting myself in the Lord, not in those things. Are you delighting yourself in souls? You know, I don't want to pick on Daniel because he's here and he's probably going to get back at me later. But, you know, Daniel, when you hear him talk for a long time, what you know what you're going to hear after a while? It's Ghana this and Ghana that. And this about Ghana. 
and the memory challenge and the kids in Ghana and how they, you know, because that's where his heart is. It's in the things of God and in the work of God. And you know, what? what is that in our lives? What are we doing with what God has entrusted to us? You know, perhaps here you're still saying, well, uh, maybe turn with me to Luke 7. Luke 7. Because you're saying, you know, well, sometimes I'm like that. I, I kind of, you know, maybe I don't delight myself, but I do like him a lot, you know. You know, recently I was in Arizona and we were doing an outreach there and uh, me and a brother named Larry uh, Page, we, were, we went to a car dealership. Actually, we went there just to get some thing done with um, the car rental that we had. But while we were there, Larry saw this really nice-looking bike, motorcycle, and, and the salesman, of course, thought he was going to buy it, even though you know he couldn't. He would have liked to have bought it, maybe, but there's no way he's going to buy it. So we started talking, and then after a little while, we started talking a little more. And of course, I brought in somehow the Lord came into the middle of that, and then we found out that uh, he was a Seventh-day Adventist guy, and. And, uh, you know, I was doing my best to share with him how much, uh, what the Lord means to us. And, you know, I would say, well, you know, he is the Sabbath day rest. We rest in his finished work. And, you know, if you're, I said to him, I said, have you read in Matthew chapter 6? You know, because he had talked about the law and so on. I said, well, you know, in Matthew 6, when we read that, what does it say? It says, none of these things will be done away with, speaking about the law, until all be fulfilled. And I said, but praise God, it's fulfilled in Him. He nailed it to the cross. He has finished the work that He set out to do. And anyway, as we were talking, this was going on, He was kind of like, He said, you need to talk to my, my pastor. I thought, yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. <laughs> you know. But Anyway, we were talking away, but there, I noticed there was somebody, somebody coming up behind us here. And I was thinking of somebody probably getting upset because we were, you know, maybe his boss or something like that. And so we kind of finally sort of quit the conversation. And then, you know, just as we did, the guy said, hey, can I, I just want to ask something, you know. And so we turned around and, and he was just actually a guy who was delivering something. But he was just so in tune to hearing this talk about the Lord. And you could see almost right away as I was talking to him, I could tell this guy is a believer. I just can see the radiance of the Lord Jesus coming out of this guy. And if you looked at him, or if the way he said, you know, and uh, we started talking a little bit, and anyway, the guy who was with me, you know, he said, well, what, what are you, you know, talking about here and so on? And he said, well, you know, uh, this and this and this, and a few different ideas went back and forth. And then Larry said to him, he says, well, you know what, we're just um, sinners that were saved by grace and so on. As he started talking, the guy looked at him. He says, no, you're not. You're perfect. <laughs> you know, and we kind of went, you know, he says, you're perfect. I said, you mean in him? And he said, of course. <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting as we talked to him, he says, you know how the world sees me? And he said, I wrote down a couple of things he said. He says, I am a drug dealing, drunkard, thief, good uh, <laughs> adulterer, you know, good for nothing. And he says, if you can think of any other kind of evil thing, that's what they look at me. But the Lord Jesus sees me as perfect. And he smiled. <laughs> and we smiled. And he went away and we went away. <laughs> I thought, hey, that was cool. <laughs> that was good. I mean, we were just flying high, you know, because we saw the love of Christ in this man. He says, you know, I am perfect in Him. And don't forget that. 
<laughs> he was a little bit rebuked of my uh, friend who was there, and he said, yeah, I, you know, he appreciated both ways. Don't get me wrong. It was just really, really good. All right. Well, in Luke chapter 7, you know the story there. Jesus comes in. They want him to come. So we'll pick it up um, maybe down in verse 40. But just to give us a little bit of backup there, it says the Pharisees desired that he would eat with them. So he comes there. And it says, Behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. She was a bad woman. Right? Is made known there in verse 37. Now the idea here too, we've got to give a little bit of background, is when you went to visit someone, the very least they would do is they would welcome you in, clean your feet, and so forth. Okay, That was part of what they would do. You'd be a welcome guest. And so um, as we go down to verse 40, the Lord responds, and he responds, and I like, you know, I think it's Jabe Nicholson that he answers it this way as he's going through it. Because the Pharisee saying into his heart, he says this, um, if he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is. That touched him, she's a sinner. And so Jesus, it says, answered him. And the way Jabe says this, he says, I couldn't help overhearing your thoughts. You know, um, but he says this, I have something to say to you. And he goes on, he says, look, there was a certain creditor who had two debts. He says, one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. And then he said this, tell me therefore which of them will love him most. And he goes, okay, well, he figured it out pretty easy. And he says, you know what? He says, here's a woman who's got it. Do you get it? She's got it. She understands. She's bawling her eyes out. And it's so much so, she's so full of this that she's able to clean his feet with her hair. Because she knows that he's going to die for her. Do you see that? Jesus loved you that much that he'd die for you? <sighs> to me, it's just... <sighs> oh, man, it's just precious. He goes on, he says, You know, wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many are forgiven. Many sins, but they're forgiven. Let's go back to Psalm 37. So hopefully... You're not like the guy that's only been forgiven a little. If you're not warm and it's not getting you to have a bigger picture of what He's done for you, maybe you're not saved. Maybe you need to ask yourself, are you really saved? I often say to someone, you know, there's a, a challenge from the Word of God. It says this, Know you not that Jesus Christ is in you except you don't pass the test? Is the thought. Is He in you? Is He? Do you see it? Are you like the woman? You just, you know, you just can't wait. Well, let's go back to Psalm 37. Let's look at uh, the next one here. So then we got the idea here. It says, "Commit your way unto the Lord." Commit your way unto the Lord. You know, it's so important to come to a place in our lives where we're committed unto Him. You know, we're, we're reminded, aren't we, in uh, Romans 12.1, it says that uh, you were bought with what? A price. What was the price? My son gave his life for you. That's the price. That's what was paid on your behalf. I often say to people, did God get a good deal when He bought you? Did He? Did He get a good deal? Do you put in your 40 hours a week? 20 hours a week? 20 minutes? Sometimes I've talked to people who are Christians 
I said, when was the last time you told someone they needed to be saved? When was the last time you shared your faith? It's a scary thought. Shouldn't be. I mean, if you buy a new car, how long does it take you to tell someone you got a new car? Well, what's that? Well, hey, what do you got there? Oh, what? Oh, yeah, that thing? No, usually it's like this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, check it out. It's got everything. It's got whatever, you know? Because it means something to you. Does your salvation mean something to you? Do you see it for what it is that you've been redeemed? That you've been purchased with the blood of Christ? It's powerful. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5.7, he says, Cast all your anxieties. The idea here is your worries. On Him. Why? Because He cares for you. He's not going to let anything come through uh, to you unless it first comes to Him. He knows you can take it or you wouldn't allow it. All right, well, let's go to the next one here. Verse 7, it says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Now, I don't know. We've all been there, right? You start talking to someone. How's it going? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I said, how's it going? They finally say something like, oh, yeah, yeah, good, good, pretty good. And you push them a little further. Like, no, I mean, how's it going? Well, pretty good under the circumstances. Again, quoting Jabe Nicholson, he says, what on earth are you doing under the circumstances? You go, why do you want to be there? Don't you realize you're seated in the heavenlies? You're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. It can't get any better. I mean, if you go and you, uh, and you, uh, you hear a reading of the will, and you know if it's a really rich person, if you hear your name going, yeah, and I give to him this and this and this, you're, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, let me take this in some more. I like that. Keep it coming. You're thrilled. Well, he says, everything my son has, I give to you. Everything. He can't give you any more. He can't do any more. It's, it's the end of it, right? Should be good. Should help you to get through your life, shouldn't it? Should help you not to worry, not to fret over what other people are doing and getting. Well, you know how, it's, how it is. I mean, these things work good. But then you start driving on one of these streets here. Guy pulls in front of you. And of course, you calmly go, oh, it's okay. The Lord's allowed that. Or do you do what in Ghana, some drivers in Ghana, Daniel, <laughs> get the lights going, horn going. Did you see that? That idiot. <laughs> And I mean, we've been there. I mean, you go and you're about to get on the plane to fly somewhere. The plane's delayed an hour. Oh, man. It's delayed an hour. You know, or it's delayed or you can't fly or there's a snowstorm or this happens. Of course, you don't have too many of those here. But, you know, you have different things that come across your way. And you get all in a tizzy, don't you, over the whole thing? And you get all worked up and, oh, I can't believe this is happening. You know, the Lord says, I can believe it. I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm allowing it to happen to you. You know, I'm, I'm the kind of guy that says this, Lord, Lord, 
I need patience and I need it right now. You know? And the Lord says, I know you need patience, Tim. That's why I'm bringing all these troubles into your life. So you can get over that. Now, if you saw these things, not as irritations, but as a test from God, you know what you'd do? Okay, I'm ready. Give me that test. Wouldn't you? I mean, honestly, if, if Jesus was here and He said to you, I have a test for you today. I'm going to put you in the airport and I'm going to make it wait two hours for you. You'd be going, man, I'll wait two hours and ten minutes. You know? You'd be so happy, so overjoyed because you're passing a test. You know, your life is a test. What is He doing? He's conforming you to the image of His Son. Do you think the Lord Jesus gets in there? Oh man, the airport is late again. Darn! All this time wasted. No, he'd have no problem with it. We have problems with these things. You know, again, I can just tell you a few of my testings. Well, I remember one where I actually passed the test, you know? It was great. And it was the testing here is I used to have a motorcycle business. And, you know, my motorcycle business, I used to get broken into so often, you know, you might as well have put a revolving door on it, you know? It was worth, worth, um, it was happening all the time. I had 17 break-ins. And it used to drive me nuts. I wish I lived here because I would have been allowed to have a gun. I would have had three, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I was pretty upset over it. And, you know, I remember I heard some ministry. And in the ministry it was, you need to surrender everything to me. And I said, I do, I do, except for some of that, you know. And I finally realized it all belongs to God. Everything I have is His. And so it was really neat. Because the Lord, right after I learned this lesson, He said, okay, time for a test. See if you really learned it. And so, of course, I got broken into. I get the usual, three in the morning, you know. Oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, break in. Oh, And then I realized, break in. I'm almost happy, okay. Put the phone down. Hey, hi, there's a break-in. I'm going. She's only. I go down there, and of course the cop is there, and he's going through it. Man, these guys, I can't believe they got you again. I'm just, man, can't believe you lost some more stuff, Lord. Don't know why. but <laughs> And I was, I was literally happy. I was happy. Matter of fact, the cop thought there was something up here, you know? As he was going through his things, he was looking at me and going like, you know, you seem a little... A little too happy there, buddy. But you know, all I saw it was a test and I passed the test. I passed the test. And you know what's interesting, I'll tell you. Because after that, what ended up happening to me is um, phoned it in. I ended up getting insurance when they smashed through the window, the glass scattered, and cut all these motorcycles a little bit. I had like a $1,000 deductible. But with all the damage, it was a very little type of damage, but it was still damage, that once all this was paid for, I, I could sell them as a discount. And all, even, the, even the amount of money for the break-in was all covered really through insurance. It didn't cost me anything. And it was interesting because right after that, you know, I got a call from the insurance company. They go, man, you, can, you keep getting broken into it. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> and uh, they said, um, well we're going to have to cancel the, the theft portion of your policy. And I said, oh, okay, well, I can understand that, man. You, you guys have lost a fortune here, a small fortune paying out to me. And so they said, okay, you know. And I said, well, how much money am I going to get back? And they said, well, actually, you're not getting any money back. 
I said, well, no, let me get this straight here. You're canceling half my portion or half my policy, the one where I actually get some money back, and you're not going to give me any money back. That's right. <laughs> and what they wanted me to do is to not pay so they could cancel this. And so that's what happened. I said, well, I don't think that's really fair. It seems kind of weird. You know, you cancel half, you don't give it back. So I let it go. And then I had no insurance. Now, I mean, my place was hit once a month. You know what? I never had another break-in. <laughs> I just tell you that because God is well able. You know, I, like it wouldn't have mattered to me if, they, if it was broken into. Yeah, I'd be kind of upset, I suppose, but it wasn't my stuff. I was just looking after it for Him. I thought, well, you want to lose it? Okay, it's your problem. I'm trying the best I can. You know, and we need to see that. It's not that you can, you can have lots of things, but as long as you realize they're, they're just yours for use and you're just using it, I've seen people that are that are millionaires, but they're using it for the glory of God. It doesn't mean anything to them, you know. Once it's gone, it's gone. Oh, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, we're just gonna look at um, a couple more here, and then seventh, wait on the Lord. So we saw resting in the Lord, and then we see the second part: wait patiently on the Lord. What does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait? It's difficult, isn't it? It's a lot easier said than done. I mean, maybe you're there and you, you, you're waiting for an answer and something and it's not coming. It's not coming. <laughs> what do we have a tendency to do? We leap ahead of God. We do this all the time. You know, wise elders, if there's a problem, a situation, they get together and they pray. If they're not of one mind, you know what they do if they're wise? Let's leave it with the Lord. Let's wait till the Lord tells us what we need to do. Don't care if it takes... The Lord knows. It's His church after all. And we should have the same thing in our own lives. Maybe I've got something and we're not sure what we need to do here. We need to wait and see from Him. Just wait on the Lord. And I remember... Um, well, let's look at just a couple of thoughts here of different people waiting. Remember Joshua? Remember the story of Joshua? They go across the uh, the River Jordan, and then they're going to what? March around. Imagine you're in the army, right? There's your fearless leader, Joshua, and he gives the instructions for the day. Okay, listen up. Okay, what are we going to do? We're going to mar march around so they can see us. You mean the guys up there on the walls with the arrows and everything? Yeah, those guys, right? We're going to march around there. All right, we're going to fight. No, we're going to march around. No, I don't know about you. If I'm in the army, I'm thinking, like, are you sure you got this right? Like, march around. Like, do nothing. March around. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. What a good battle plan that is. March around. I mean, think of what this really happened. Those guys were waiting on the Lord. Now, they're marching around. I can imagine if I was there, I'd be going, oh, man, any moment. Any moment in the presence of the Lord, you know? <laughs> any moment. And you know, they didn't just go through it one day. Okay, let's do it again. That was fun, wasn't it, guys? Okay, round two. Now, I mean, Joshua, he got the revelation from the Lord, but they got to follow. They did, though, didn't they? And then, of course, they had that powerful weapon at the end. What was it? Okay, yell. Oh, man, that's great. Yell. They got machine guns. You want us to yell, you know? But you know, the Lord is able. They just needed to wait on the Lord. 
and allow him to win the victory. Remember, um, we've already looked at the story of Hezekiah there and what happened there. Eventually, he knocked down the whole army. Well, you know, I can see I'm already over time here, I think. Is, is it supposed to be 12? Oh, man, I didn't even get up. I just hope that as you think about the goodness of God, that you understand that He will never forsake you. It says He'll never leave you. Matter of fact, it tells us that He's there in the presence of God. It says He prays for you. Isn't it amazing how much He loves us? Let's pray. Father, we do thank You so much for Your goodness. We thank You for Your love. And Lord, uh, help us even as we've gleaned some things from Your Word this morning to put it in practice in our own lives. To realize just how much You do love us. Thank you again, in Jesus' name. Amen.